0: Welcome to the Monsters and Treasure podcast, where we talk way too long about a subject and just give you the best parts. I'm here with K.R. King, as always.
1: Daniel, I've just got some phosphorescent plants so that I can naturally light my house. Nice. You know, one of those topics uh, we used to talk about a lot in the, I wouldn't say old days, a kind of transition from the original D&D to kind of as it advanced into the the first edition and second was what later became known as Gygand. Igaxian naturalism, but just the idea that a dungeon environment should be kind of a functioning environment. The idea that things are, it isn't just monsters set in rooms waiting for the players to burst the doors open, but instead that somehow they live there, they survive there, they even thrive there in terms of having a society there or something. And I just wonder, what is your take on that? Is that something that you incorporate? I mean, this was kind of more on the mega dungeon side, but... Uh, because if it's just a single five-room dungeon, well, of course, they, something lives there. They've taken it over as their lair. So this is kind of this larger thing where you can have different groups. What do you think about that?
0: So I think that a lot of times when people talk about this, they they leave out one thing. I remember what my thing was. <laughs> they leave out one thing that uh, that I believe, which is if you're reading a novel or watching a movie or a TV show, like, and then there's the bad guys, right? The mob mobsters or whatever you put into a cop show. Like, you don't see the mobsters, like, necessarily, unless it's part of the plot, go out to lunch or, you know, uh, take their kids to the park, right? But you know, you understand that they do that. So, what I'm thinking about d d stuff, I don't care where the goblins get their food from. It doesn't matter to me. So, I I just assume that it's going on in the background and also, I'll just also say the thing, Well, people are always like, the, the monsters are in stasis, but that's not actually the case. I think the idea of it is, is that the monsters are always moving around doing stuff, but the it's a planned encounter, which means that when you enter that room, the goblins are there. Not because they're always there, not because they live there, but because they're there for that encounter, because it's a setup scene, no matter how many... People want to talk about how, oh, there's no plot or whatever. I mean, that's literally what a monster in a room is. Otherwise, it's them in stasis, which I think is a much worse idea, right? So I always think that they are moving around, but I don't ever really put it into the game unless it's factored into like wandering monsters or something.
1: Yeah, and I think that, so for us, there was a point we built these, you know, I had a 12-level dungeon with all these crazy Mm -hmm. rooms and everything. And we did that for a, a while, and then we kind of moved away from dungeons it wasn't yeah. so much that it didn't make sense from a naturalistic still, like, why are they there? And how come they don't, how come the trolls don't hear the goblins next door and just rush in and kill them. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, well, cause they're all kind of moving and they're all right there at the same time. And everybody be like, well, yeah, but then in the next room you got giants and then over here, you got a purple worm, you know, it, it sounds like my dungeon. But, what, yeah. <laughs> but we moved away from that, just from a sense of wanting to do stuff outdoors and have societies and everything else. But the attempt to explain why the purple worm ignores the goblins that are being ignored by the trolls, who cares? Right? Just right. If if that's the kind of dungeon you want to run, just run it. And the purple worm I would have come up out of the floor and, and then go back down. And I have a little like tunnel down there to a level or two below. Sure. That was well, one of I my th- favorite gags. You'd have a purple worm that would appear on the fifth level, let's say, because it shouldn't be there, because it's coming from the seventh level where they right. should be. So ha-ha, exactly. ha, you know, but um but because It's the conceit, right? It's exactly, you know, uh, Hitchcock used to say that. I don't need to see the spy at his house. I don't need to see his wife making him dinner or whatever. I just need to see him out doing his job because that's what's interesting, right? Right. Uh, But if the guy is is mistaken for a spy and he goes home and the thugs show up at his house and threaten his wife and kids, now that's interesting, right? That's right. That's because he's not a spy. So, but yeah, the naturalistic stuff, you know, and it got crazy where people would have phosphorescent plants or rocks right. and then they'd have people growing things and because how else would they and like because you know why things don't live underground they don't well, i mean there are races that they create for the underdark sure But dungeons are are dank dark uninhabited places in in the real world so there's no verisimilitude to it that you have right. to
0: right to and i think recreate. people you have to Choose your battles, so to speak, when you talk about like, you, you always get these like RPG guys talking about realism and they'll name like seven things that aren't real. Then they'll name another thing that completely, you know, is real. And it's like, well, you see, this is real. It's like, yeah, but what about the other seven things you're avoiding? But the thing is, too, I I think there's also a bit of a shift in at least somewhat the culture that is behind RPGs from the, let's say, the 70s, which were people reading books from like the 30s and 40s and 50s, where you know, goblins and elves and stuff were basically not, they're not people, right? They're like these fake creatures. They're, they're unknowing. They're, they're weird, right? It's like, how does a mushroom grow in the thing? It's like, that's the same way a goblin does. It's like, it just is what it is. And that's just how you accept it. But, as we get further into it and goblins are your buddies and you can play them as a PC and they've got whole societies. And now, now you do start to start thinking about, well, hold on. If there's like a goblin, you know, a school teacher, like bringing the goblin kids to, you know, to, 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 to uh, you know, the playground, like the player characters are killing them. Yeah. I don't want to think about that. Like I'd rather them just be weird, fake creatures that just come out, you know, and why do they have gold? Because they have gold. You know, I've heard that a lot too. People are like, well, goblins wouldn't have gold. They should exchange teeth and bones. It's that's okay. Why are player characters going down there to get the teeth and bones? Like,
1: come on. But why should goblins not enjoy gold or uh, gems or jewels that they find pretty or that they realize I can trade these at some level with humans, with orcs, with hobgoblins? Exactly. And, and this is valuable. Why can't those races mine? Go- First of all, gold is a tremendously useful substance. Mm-hmm. all of its qualities there's a reason that people just just really and well, silver as well so i don't see why they wouldn't use this too
0: yeah i, I agree with that I, and i think it's kind of funny right because if you do say okay well my goblins and my orcs and my other things uh, if you're if you're playing in a world like i am and and basically old school dnd is this way if you actually follow the rules or look at the rules everybody's get a reaction right orcs aren't necessarily going to be Uh, You know, not trading with humans, they might, they're probably not going to trade with lawful humans, you know, at the church, but they might trade with more chaotic types like bandits and such. So they might want gold for that exact reason. You know, maybe they can't go to the town to buy the better weapons or whatever, because obviously the lawful civilians will run them out. So they hire some, you know, they're like, we have this gold. We're going to pay these, you know, bandits who could dress up because they match, right? They can go in there and get the weapons for us. And the bandits are making this, you know, doing arms deals and stuff. So of course, I mean, gold has value. Even if you don't value it, the person that you're using it to get stuff from might value it
1: as a form of barter. Because right. uh, the thing about the, the thing that the Gygaxian naturalism perhaps misses is just what you're saying: criminal gangs cooperate with one another in the real world <laughs> up until the moment they don't, and then they fight each other. Right? Right. But they'll they they see each other as allies against the forces of law. Uh, the, the 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 goody two shoes who, by the way, are often hypocrites in their own way in the real world. But we won't go into that. But but with the criminal gang, they they just do everything because they have lawyers and stuff to you know get away with their crimes or whatever. But so I think that that golden treasure could be the meter for that. The other thing that I would say is that if you have a uh, a, a mega dungeon, typically in my world at least, it's this ancient sort of place. It's often been abandoned and then retaken over by creatures who are exploring it for either gold and treasure or to eat those who are exploring it for <laughs> gold and treasure. <Exactly. laughs> or who live there like an ooze or a mold or a whatever, or something that says, or bats or something that says, Hey, this is great to live here, but I don't have to go. Any more than that. The bat lives there, and that's the end of that. The fungus is there, the ooze. Because everything else has a reason to be there because people are drawn to dungeons. Now, if a dungeon gets emptied out, but of course, that's like saying, uh, when we start the movie, the spy has captured the guy in the end. I mean, you're going to start the movie at the beginning when there's a problem that has to be solved. Same thing with a dungeon to me. You start it where, okay, let's explore this, and everybody's out there exploring.
0: Yeah, and, and things can be drawn to it for any number. I mean, it's a world with its magic, right? So there could be any number of reasons why monsters. I like a, a more of what they would call a gonzo or weird mega dungeon type structures. I don't worry too much about what they were. That's just how I, I mean, oftentimes on top I will. You know, I'll be like, okay, well, there's a wizard's tower and then there's like a basement. And then you find that secret door or well, and then it goes into the weird stuff, right? That's your, I guess, would be the underdark today, you know, that's. You know, there might be something that's really old and weird there. There might be something uh, where an old temple that was worshipped or something that came from another plane of existence that could shove there. Maybe a god just, like, knocked something over. I mean, who knows what's down there, right? And that's where the players, especially the high-level players, are delving. And I, and I like that weirdness. So you can't do that and then also have – it makes sense because – I mean, I guess you could. You could be like, well, the trolls aren't eating the goblins because the goblins, you know, attract – humans to come attack them because the troll knows they're easy bait right so they're actually using the goblins as a way to get a bunch of humans to come down so the troll can eat them or you could say they're they're cosmically cosmically allied because they're uh you know all both on the side of chaos it really depends on your campaign
1: and the other thing i will say one of the lessons of the mad mage thing with this halister because they'll have hints that he's pure magic and he's he's insane and he's not even a human he's immortal and all this mm-hmm. What it does is it allows you to have anything that you want to have. So we had the classic was the mad professor type. A friend of mine had this mega dungeon and this crazy guy. We called him that. I think his name was can't believe I can't think of his name, it was like Xenar or Xanar. But he and he was just so crazy. And he was creating all these crazy uh labyrinths and you know, cave complexes, and 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 that was the reason for it. And it infected everything with his magic presence. So once you went in there and you started getting clues, you were just like, okay, you're gonna be expecting. Anything in this place, monsters, whatever it is, because it's a magical effect. Because we're in the world of magic. So now we have got verisimilitude. Who cares, right? And it's just a, it's just a way. But like you said, you don't even have to answer that. You could just say, I don't know. You don't know why this is here. Maybe you right. can find out. Even because, and then by the way, me as the GM, I don't know either. But <laughs> it'll be fun for you to try to find out. You know, exactly. And maybe I'll think of something along the way. But uh, so I just think it's a, it's a it's an avenue that you don't need to worry about it it doesn't have an impact if you want to play with it somehow but it's 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 a fool's game because it's never really going to work
0: yeah i agree i think when you get above ground and you start doing more domain building then maybe that makes sense you're going to be like well you're going to build a castle fine it's going to attract people but what are they going to do you're going to have to clear land for them to farm or you're going to have to make trade and that becomes a whole other game but when you're the heroes dungeon delving you're not worried about what happened in between right that happens you know between chapters of the of the of the game and what happens you know at the table is the adventure not the the background
1: and you know it's interesting when you're talking about the above ground this might be another topic to discuss but the inverse of that is if you act like you're in a dungeon up above ground let's say the murder hobo type that just kills everything he sees uh wants to just grab stuff that you're going to get in trouble for You're not going to necessarily have it in the dungeon because this is a Wild West or this is an exploration. This is an area where maybe those rules don't apply because everyone's there to get what they can. And if you enter that dungeon, you're in that kind of murder hobo environment. You know, just a thought.
0: Yeah, 100%. I think that's definitely worth exploring and exploring. (laughs) But yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think that you can have a little bit of the kind of realism up top, right? or more society and then as you go deeper that that's your wild west your exploration or deep into the jungles you know however you want to you want to play pulp you know these unknown uncharted lands that's your dungeon to me uh, i you know i mean a dungeon could be a ruin or something that you know some bandits are occupying some people will call that a dungeon but I think I even made a video about this, but I don't call that a dungeon. I call a dungeon the weird, the underneath, the bizarre stuff. That's just a ruin that there's some bandits in.
1: I have this thing I can't talk about it in case any of my players watch it, but I have this keep. They all know it's out there, this this wizard, the keep of Niz. It's called NYZZ, the double Z. And they know <laughs> that it's really weird when they go down in same concept. So they're not ready to do it yet, but uh, <laughs> they will. And it's going to be a mega dungeon. I've asked if they want to play a mega dungeon and they're like, "Eh, maybe that's interesting. They're not that interested. I was sort of like, oh, yeah, I feel like
0: the mega dungeon. And again, I I have a very I mean, I think my version of the mega dungeon might be close to what some people did early on, because it's not just what you like. You got to read between the lines. I think if it's just a dungeon and you go down levels and it's rooms and you kill stuff, that's boring. Like my mega, I mean, effectively, my characters in my current campaign are in in what I would consider a mega dungeon. And they've gone through four different planes of existence. And now they're in a huge area with islands and cities. And and that's a level of the dungeon. It just, they just go deeper and deeper. It was funny the other day, they were like, oh, we got to go back, you know.
1: That's interesting. So that's, uh, that is another topic for (laughs) uh, our podcast. So let's leave it at that. Uh, We don't have to worry about naturalism, whatever goes, uh, but until you get above ground. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear your voice on the show, give us a call. There's a link in the show notes. You can find us both on YouTube. Uh, Daniel is at Bandits Keep, and I'm on D&D Homebrew, also linked in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, please give us a rating and review on your favorite podcatcher, and we'll see you next week.